You're listening to the Forward Thinking Podcast presented by CS2. I'm your host, Xander Broffel, and joining me today are two amazing marketing operations managers at CS2. Uh, one that you have seen before, Ghani Rodriguez, and another first-time visitor on our podcast, Brian Morris. How are you two doing today? Very good. Yeah. Awesome. I'm very excited to have you both on. Um, I know that this is a topic that you both have a lot of experience with, uh, especially at CS2, and that is doing new implementations of marketing automation platforms. You know, it's definitely something that was on my bucket list. I never had an opportunity to do a fresh build until I started at CS2. Um, I always just got inserted into pre-existing environments, but having the opportunity to set something up right the first time yeah. is like such a blessing. Um, so I'm really excited to have you both on the on the call to walk our audience through some best practices that you've learned along the way. Awesome. So, uh, Ghani, we have met you already. If you uh, if you are just tuning in for the first time and you have not met Ghani yet. Uh, we did an episode just a few weeks ago uh, talking through utilizing HubSpot in the enterprise. So it's a very excellent episode. I encourage you to go and take a look at that. Brian, because we have you on here for the first time today, I'd love to just give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to our audience. Um, how did you get involved in marketing operations? And also, how did you get involved with CS2? Definitely. I, I feel like I, I am just like a lot of other marketing operations people. I I kind of just got pushed into it from being in marketing. Um, so back in 2015, I started with campaign operations, um, just simply Mar Marketo and sending out emails and supporting um, our marketing team. And then um, someone ended up just leaving from that team and I got pulled right on it. And then it, the rest was history. I, I, I don't think I ever since then, I've, I've really just been knee deep into marketing operations from there. I uh, moved into another company where I was um, a marketing operations manager um, and took on more of the more mop side of stuff, not just campaign operations. And then uh, then I moved into a, a role where I was a single marketing ops person and wearing all the hats and <laughs> but, uh, literally down, uh, down in the weeds, uh, working really hard. And um, it was just a great experiences for me. And I, you know, I got to um, work for a company where they really cared about their marketing operations a lot and they um they spent a lot of investment in it and um and really cared about it um and so i got to i got to do some amazing work and kind of build a lot of my experience there and uh from from there uh i i got a chance to move into consulting here at cs2 which has been phenomenal and uh yeah so doing awesome yeah you are doing awesome brian <laughs> um Something that I really love about working with you is you have phenomenal reports that you create for all of your projects. And I'm always taking uh, taking inspiration from things that you share with the team. Um, as we like to say here, no project should end without having a report and a dashboard. And you take that to the next level, which I absolutely love. Yeah. Usually I'm trying to find any way to create a dashboard. I, I was just working on one this morning for um, a GDPR program. So, I mean, it, uh, anything could be a dashboard. Absolutely. <laughs> anything. If you can figure out how to do GDPR yeah. compliance as a dashboard, you can figure it out for anything. Right? It's so helpful, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Well, good. Um, before we jump into kind of the agenda and the topic at hand, I, I would just like to hear from both of you guys, uh, maybe starting with Ghani. What's your experience been implementing new marketing automation platforms, either here or, you know, prior to your role at CS2? Yeah, I actually had the, kind of, I guess, the privilege of uh, going through a lot of uh, implementations. Uh, I remember the first time I had to do one, uh, we partnered up with an agency. And again, I was the, the, the sole marketing ops person. So it was a lot of just learnings from there. Um, and then there's just been different flavors of it, you know, trying to merge, uh, different brands into one instance, uh, trying to migrate someone, uh, into a different marketing automation platform that I, that I never had any, uh, experience with. Uh, so kind of all over the map, to be honest. That's awesome. Very, very cool. Brian, what about you? I, I feel like me and Connie have lived the same life here. So I definitely, I, um, I worked for uh, a company that were um acquired so we were migrating uh two marketos together and we actually decided to um create a brand new marketo and migrate both of those to a brand new instance um i also came where we were create we had a um a hubspot a marketo and a arvat that we were all migrating into a marketo instance um and then here at cs2 i've gotten the pleasure of um doing a brand new marketo implementation as well so i i've definitely had my hands in the bucket um of this so i'm excited to talk about it today that's awesome. Very, very cool. So we have some great experience from you both. And I kind of I kind of stretched the truth a little bit with my intro. Um, from my perspective and my experience, um, we've worked on a couple of implementations. Scotty and I, we are direct partners. Um, so so I, I lead all of our clients and Ghani supports the same clients, which is great. Um, so we've had some really good experiences together. But prior to CS2, I did do essentially as much of an implementation as you could do. Um, it's just that we had some constraints and the sign behind me, it depends. <laughs> we always have to like look at what's happening in the current state. We had some product stuff that was integrated with our more kennel implementation. So we opted not to go brand new, but what we did instead is we basically created a brand new workspace and a brand new partition. And we basically rebuilt from the ground up inside of an existing implementation so we had a lot of the same sort of like concepts that we could that we could do uh throughout so very very neat um as we were kind of preparing for this conversation because it's such a i mean one it's a huge project to do an yeah. implementation but it's also a huge podcast to talk about doing an implementation <laughs> and we and we probably have three to four episodes that we could go into uh with detail and you know i think that we will uh, but I think what we wanted to to really get across today with the episode was high level. What do you have to do in order to have a successful implementation? Kind of break it down. Uh, so you know, from a from a high level view, um, maybe we'll start with Brian. From a high level view, can you just break down like what are the pillars of an implementation that we should like frame our conversation? Definitely awesome. So uh, you know, the biggest thing I would probably start with is like pillar number one is that prep work you want to think about like your you know your current database um what map system you're using and like what you're going to do from there so really that prep work and then um you know i really like to think about like the implementation itself like the first step would be your tech setup and what you're going to do um with all your technology and um setting it up and 
turning it on and all the settings that go with it. And then from there, really the foundation of, you know, that map um, system and then really the optimization and then your monitoring and testing of those systems as well. So I, I really like to think of it in those, you know, those pillars and uh, really document that and walk through those each pillars um, to really help you through it. That's fantastic. And I think that you, you touched on optimization from within the implementation. Um, but I know that we also are going to be talking about today, like enablement, training, and the actual launch. Because though that pillar has a lot of pieces yeah. into it. And we always kind of want to make sure that we don't just say, hey, we have a new marketing automation platform. Because there's a lot to it, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so um, just to repeat what I heard from you, we have basically three large topics, prep work, implementation itself, and then the enablement training and launch. And then within enablement, we kind of have like some sub pillars that we can think about forming. Um, and that is our technical setup, our foundation, and then our optimization within the implementation itself. Most so. That's what we're going to try and talk about today in about 45 minutes. Let's do it. Um, so let's dive right in. Um, Ghani, let's start with the prep work from your perspective. Um, you know, should I just build exactly what I have or should I utilize a new implementation as a catalyst for change? Man, that is a big question. Uh, there's so many variables that come to play uh, with that. Um, I guess for starters, you kind of need to uh one you need to fully understand your own internal processes and how your company currently does things um to help drive that decision let's say um you know one of the the things we always kind of push forwards is to always optimize uh so ideally you kind of want to uh be a catalyst for change um and optimize before you move into the new tool um just because at least that way you'll be able to solve a lot of the issues uh, that you previously had. Probably one of the reasons why you're moving to this new tool uh, is to help, you know, expand a lot of its uh, its capabilities. Uh, but if you're, if there is a time constraint, you might be better off just rebuilding what you have, um, at least kind of to expedite uh, the transition. Uh, but now you have a new uh, uh, piece of technology that you can kind of uh, grow with your company and you fully understand how it was set up uh, and kind of manage it from there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's very well said. Brian, any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I would say I really like that response too, because it's like, you know, most of the times if you're moving to a new map, there's probably a reason for it. You know, did you not have the technical capabilities you had before or, you know, is your, is your company growing? So there's probably a reason why you're moving to this. Um, so you want to make sure, you know, you, might want to be a catalyst for change because you have this new ability to create different things. And, um, you know, there's a lot probably that has came out or changed in this new map instance that you can utilize now that you didn't have before in your previous, um, map. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, this is the time to think about what do I want my center of excellence to look like <laughs> from an operations center perspective, right? Um, the, I, we're right now we're we're partnering with a client, and I think that she's doing a fantastic job at looking at business processes, intake processes, who's going to be doing the builds, who's responsible for what, and that it's not just did I get the widget to do what it needs to do. Um, 
But, you know, at the end of the day, we've also had experiences where we have a, a, a renewal coming up for our existing marketing automation platform that you're trying to migrate away from. So you have those constraints. Um, you know, I think that from my perspective, I will always be the advocate for do it right the first time because you're going to spend the time either up front or fixing a mess after the fact. Um, so I'd rather do it right the first time. And maybe you have to pick and choose, like, what are the things that I'm really going to do right? And then what am I going to put on to a future roadmap? Mm -hmm. um, but thinking forward is probably, like, the best option that you have, no matter what your time and budget is. Yeah, I think a lot of it also probably goes into, like you mentioned, the timing of it. Um, you know, do you, is your a website launch also happening at the same time? You know, like, is, you know, is, what, what stakeholders are involved? Is, is your CMO pressuring you to, you know, have this? migrated or this implementation done in a certain time frame so you might not have a choice but to migrate some stuff over because you don't have the time to be a catalyst for change and really start from scratch so you know a lot of times it could just be the timing as well yeah yeah absolutely um brian we talked a lot about timing is there any other constraints that you can think of um that you know people should be thinking about as they start prepping for this migration i would say like definitely like you mentioned the contract negotiations i mean that's a that's a big one um you know and like sunsetting any the previous tools like you know like you mentioned that de depending on that like when your contract is ending and the next one's starting that can often make a lot of decisions around um you know the constraints where like i mentioned you're you don't have a choice you you gotta you gotta be out of that platform by a certain time you you gotta move quickly and you, you yeah. don't have a voice or or sometimes you know you in like internally, like if Salesforce is, um, if, you know, there's a lot of like tools in like sales ops that are changing, sometimes you have to, um, you know, migrate or change your map tool to align with that sales Salesforce, for example, as well. For sure. For sure. Ghani, what about stakeholders? Who should I be working with? And when should we be pulling these folks in? Uh, so one of my things that I always kind of just uh, want to like set up from the get-go it's just an executive champion uh there are this implementing a map is such a huge task just because it does touch so many other departments that you need someone that actually has a lot of authority to unblock things for you just to make sure that you are hitting your timeline so that's for sure for sure uh the number one person you'd want on your side from the get-go uh they, they don't have to run the meetings that's definitely something that you can tackle but they just need to be there to to know how the project is going but also uh know where it is that things are stalling and see if they have any leverage and at least trying to to rally the rest of the company to kind of help with this because uh, you do find that you end up being uh very tied down just because it's a marketing tool a lot of other departments see it as just a marketing only um project but again it's not For sure yeah. Yeah. I mean, we hear that a lot, right? Oh, it's just a marketing automation tool. It's just something that's sending out emails. There's so much more to it. You need to make sure that everybody understands the full scope. Great. So especially because, I mean, so most times you have to get sales ops involved, IT, your web development team, you know, m most of your marketing stakeholders and sales enablement and stuff. So, you know, one thing I would always recommend is having that initial kickoff. So like Ghani said, get your executive champion out on board, get everyone you can you know, from all these different departments and have that initial kickoff. So everyone's really better aligned. Everyone has that buy-in and you guys have that timeline of what's happening. So you guys can all 
move together as one rather than trying to you know piecemeal different departments together and try to bring it on last minute you guys can all move along together at, at that project together yeah for sure brian could you revisit that stakeholder list that you just that you just gave yeah. us yeah you know, uh, you know, we're really looking, you know, I would recommend thinking about your executive champion, that sales ops team, your IT team, your web development team, marketing stakeholders, and sales enablement. Fantastic. Um, I I know some of some of the uh, experiences that I've had, maybe the web team was a little bit more surprised and they have a lot of work to do, right? It's lost. <laughs> Whether it's, I don't have global forms, I do have global forms, how I want to do my web tracking, um, C names, DKIMs, all of the, all of the things that need to get set up on the back end. Um, so prior to getting that contract signed is really the time to bring that team in, um, because you're going to have to get on their roadmap as well. Right. Like, yeah, definitely. Like with, with the recent client, we just did a Marketo implementation and Honestly, I felt like I was more working with their web development team than their sales op team because of so much of, you know, what uh, Xander just mentioned. Definitely. Would you echo that? Would you echo that, Ghani? I feel like, feel like you've become somewhat of a somewhat of a web expert on our side. <laughs> uh, it, no, one hundred percent. I think uh, when it comes to to something like a map. Uh, Again, the web team needs to be like closely aligned. Uh, and on top of that, they have their own jobs that they're doing at the same time. If you bring them in too late, uh, you don't know, you know, they might be in an agile kind of framework where now this project could be like a ton of sprints like down the line, something that they never really uh, resourced for. And that's kind of the big thing is you need to make sure that you at least have one person from all of those departments as your go-to for this project because uh, it is a collective uh, team effort. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we've got the team, we have the executive buy-in, um, some other things that we maybe want to call out, like, like what does it need to be involved for? You know, uh, so one of the things with it, uh, domains, C name and like SPF and DCAM, a lot of the super technical stuff that to be honest on a, on your day-to-day, like as a marketing ops professional, you're probably never going to think about. Uh, it tends to really come up during like th- this time where it says, hey, you need to make sure that um, you have like some domain reputation that if you are moving from one system to another, uh, you're still going to, to be able to continue to send out emails, continue uh, to run any of the other um, just uh, digital side of things that do require that extra technical expertise that you might not have uh, within your marketing team or your operations team. And you need to go to someone that is technical enough for that. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes like that, sometimes that can take a while too, especially with the IT team. You're most of the times you are jumping onto their sprint. So, I mean, the earlier you can bring them in, the better, because that's like, you know, that's, I would say the first phase in implementation is that tech setup. So they're like, they're almost the people that are going to help you kick this off. So you want to you want to be on their want to be on their best friend list and hopefully get them get them you know aligned with you quickly. And they may not even be responsible for it. Like depending on the organization structure, I, this is not something that even the technical teams do a lot of, right? I mean, how how often are you getting a new email system system that you have to set up, right? Usually, you're 
setting up your corporate email once, maybe twice after you do a migration to a different system. You do it once for your different like tech tools. So it's not something that you can put in a ticket and they just go, oh, okay, this is exactly where it goes. Usually there's a lot of internal like, is that you? Who did this cloud app, this networking, is this IT, is this security? So give them time to figure that out internally, um, 100%. Yeah, it's what- on the. Oh, yeah. go ahead, Bonnie. Sorry. It's funny because uh, I know for one of the companies I worked at when we were first doing our Marketo migration, uh, the founder was heavily involved just because he's the only one that had access to any of the domains. And it's just like, oh, you should probably be doing more important stuff, but I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Size of organization makes a big difference. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what about sales ops? Oh, man, with sales ops, there's just... Uh, one, you need to keep the relationship uh, going. There's a lot of stuff with a with a new map that uh, that comes that does affect the sales team, uh, whether it's just lead status changes, lead sources, um, you know how you're tracking MQLs. If you are changing a lot of stuff, you need to make sure that uh, everything that you do in your map uh, gets to sync over to Salesforce without any hiccups. Because um, again, you have way more sales reps that are going to be looking at the records, they're going to notice when something's off. Uh, so you kind of want to make sure, uh, like on a perfect launch, you essentially don't hear anything. It should be as if like you didn't do anything. Uh, you just changed it and things run as they should. Yeah, that was all. Yeah, that, that was a great way of explaining it, Connie. And you're like, and if you're out there, like, you know, like I think Connie and I both were just a single marketing ops person, but and like my old role, I, I did marketing and sales operations. So I, I was that person I had to talk to. So I had to focus more on bringing in that revenues, you know, operations person or that the SDRs and, you know, the, um, you know, the account executives. And I had to really align with them um, and make, just making sure I understand their process and know what they would like to see and everything as well. So sometimes it's, you know, involving more than just sales ops as well. It's might be those um, day-to-day people that are actually using the, the processes. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it goes without saying, but we're going to say it. Um, you know, if you're in-house and you're doing this type of project, like this is your project, but you're probably also going to be partnering with an outside agency of some sort, whether it's an Im- implementation partner provided by the vendor or it's a it's an agency that you're working with like we said, we're, we're working with multiple clients who are doing this. Um, and I think that it's just very important that even though a implementation partner has done it at like the same way or a similar way, it's your business. So if you're coming in and saying, hey, this is this is where we're going to be a little bit more unique, make sure that you're advocating for yourself in that way. 100%. So uh, I think uh, a great call out with uh, the agency too is you still have day-to-day work that you need to maintain as you're doing this project. So eh, getting the extra set of hands, it's always like a good thing. The troubleshooting tickets don't stop, sadly. (laughs) Oh, and if you're responsible for campaign X or anything like that, like you still got to run the business while you're changing the business, right? (laughs) Well, good. Um, I'd like to move us into the implementation side of things. Um, So we talked a little bit about it with the, with the, stakeholders, but what are some of the technical setup things that we need to have um, in place just to be thinking about 
Um, and we'll keep it a little bit high level right now, like not how to go about solving it, but what are the things that we should really be aware of? Johnny, do you want to, do you want to take a stab at that first? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned earlier, you know, getting your domains, your CNAME, your, uh, SPF and DCAM all set up from the get go is, uh, super important. Um, but you also want to make sure that you are setting, uh, your organization up for success and defining users and roles in terms of just you know, who has admin access? The last thing you want is to have essentially an organization that everyone's an admin, so anyone can change anything. Um, so kind of uh, getting that control. Uh, and then from there, there's a lot of just general settings that you want to go through, just time zone, uh, any email settings, like how often are you going, going to be sending emails, making sure that there is a communication uh, limit of some sort, uh, any tags, form validations, landing page settings. Um, just those, those pieces alone, at least give you a lot of momentum, uh, going into the project just cause they're easy to check off. Um, and a lot of times it's, uh, decisions that you can just make in terms of like how you want to set up, uh, marketing arms for your organization. Yeah. There's not a lot of stakeholder input on some of the settings. Some of the settings do require it, right? Comms limits. You should probably have conversations with your marketing team. Um, but some of the stuff just needs to get done, right? Um, Brian, anything to add there from a tech setup perspective? I mean, you know, I feel like the big part too is, you know, syncing your CRM to your map. Like, um, I know that's a big one. So there's, a, you know, a lot of data that's involved with that fields and, um, information that's feeding over from your CRM. So, you know, that, that's a big, a big part of that tech setup is when that initial sync is happening. Um, so really thinking about what's coming over from let's say example salesforce to marketo you know it did is salesforce cleaned up or is there any pre-work you need to do in salesforce before you let all that data sync over um in a sense are you going to use your contract limits right away are you going to max out your contract because you just synced over everyone um when maybe you should have looked at some like deduping before that or um everything like that so really thinking about that syncing from your, your crm to your map it's a big initial tech setup. Yeah. And and you should probably do it sooner than you think. Um, <laughs> Connie and I ran into that with one of our first ones where we were like, I think that we need to do it just kind of near the end, turn it on, we're good to go. And was like, oh, wait, where are all the fields? Ah, we need to get that connected. All that metadata was really important. We didn't need the people. We weren't sending emails for a month and a half, but like we needed to get everything set up. So definitely make sure that that is something that you are thinking about sooner than later and pull those stakeholders in. Um, cool. Brian, let's talk through a little bit of the foundation of your marketing automation platform. If we had budget and we had time to be able oh, to yeah. do this stuff, right? Like what should we be thinking about in our initial setup? Yeah. If you, if you have the time and the budget, you know, the biggest thing I, I would recommend is working on that center of excellence templates. I feel like that's, you know, that's what the map is used for, right? It's a lot of, you know, landing pages and emails and your nurtures and the events and that's, you know, the purpose of that um, software. So, you know, really having a great center of excellence and templates that, um, you know, has best practice. If you have the time and the resources to spend on that, you know, are your emails, um, are they working in dark mode? You know, are they sending on mobile the way they should be? Like those little things like that will truly matter. So setting it up correct right away um, can make a whole difference in the world when it comes to testing and stuff later down the road, save you some time. So, you know, setting up that, the email program, the landing page, the content, the events, your nurture, you know, paid social, your web request, setting up all those templates. That way, 
um, those non-admin users can come in and have that template ready to go to clone and really work from it. I mean, that's that's huge. And that's what's setting the tone for the rest of, you know, your feature within that map. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that use case that you just listed is kind of like a decentralized model. If you have stakeholders who are just creating it for themselves, they can clone it. But this is one that I'm like, even if you didn't have the time in the budget, like just find some time in budget to make it because it saves you so much time. Yeah. If you don't have to, if you can create something from a template, like your next six months after having that implementation done is going to go so much better than if you don't, right? Exactly, exactly. Well, and and if you set it up the way, it, you know, you want it set up in that process, you know what's happening correctly. That, that flow of, you know, how they're flowing through those emails and those the smart campaigns. You have it so organized and processed and documented that nothing's just going to go astray and you're, you can troubleshoot easier because you know exactly how it's set up and that template's defined. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, a, another, uh, you know, a big foundational setup as well is, you know, that campaign management as well. You know, once you have those templates done is that, you know, that campaign management, there's all those different ty types of campaign channels and the statuses uh, and success statuses that you want to bring over, um, you know, the nice thing about having a new um, map is that the folder structure and those naming conventions, you can you can start brand new, beautiful blank instance. You can have it exactly that folder structure you would like. That way it's easy to find the uh, campaigns that you're, um, you know, looking for. And that program naming convention is like huge. That's that leads all the way into Salesforce. And um, you can if you have, a, you know, for example, a program name builder sheet that can keep you organized and um, it can just make a whole difference in the world when it comes to just organization and uh, how you how you're using your map. Yeah, Ghani, anything to add there? Like, it, let's say that, you know, I'm operating out of HubSpot as opposed to Marketo. Anything that you would recommend there? Uh, I definitely, again, want to echo what Brian said, where you want the folder structure. Uh, that alone is just going to save you a ton of time. Um, but even with the campaign management, uh, you want to make sure that you are like grouping all the assets together. You're making, you're making sure that, um, at least from the HubSpot side, um, all your, all the assets, all the landing pages that you are moving over all the pieces of content that they're still tied to that same campaign. That way you can at least get some out of the box reporting from HubSpot, uh, from the get go as like leads, leads start to come in. Um, and again, I, I, I do also want to echo the same thing with templates. Uh, you want to get as many templates uh, in there as you want, um, especially as you start going through um, and you're just looking at forms, for example, uh, which is like uh, something we don't really think about at the time just because things move fast in marketing. Uh, there are times where you, you see yourself just creating multiple forms, so you kind of want to globalize it. Uh, just to make your life and everyone's lives much easier down the road, uh, should there be something small as, hey, like let's add this extra field on here to all our forms. Oh man, nothing is yeah. worse. And I mean, I I I think we still need to have a full dedicated uh, uh, episode on global forms. But nothing was worse than when GDPR first came out, and I didn't have global forms where I was at. And oh my goodness. Yeah. 200 forms that had to get updated and it was just like 
Yeah, and there's no exporting. There's not an export button for you to just easily go. You're going one by one. So like, you know, globalizing like that, like all your content, like, do you have like, you know, content by like low funnel, you know, high funnel, like things like that. Just thinking of ways to globalize that to save you time down the road. Because, you know, what if you need to go out a hidden field to all those, um, like Xander said, going through one by one of like 200 local forms. Oof. It's the worst. Set it up right the first time. Absolutely. Um, Brian, what about master order of ops? Yeah. So, I mean, this is one of those things like if you have the time and, you know, I, I would recommend, I'm sure we've done some amazing podcasts, I think, with master order of ops. But if you have the time, set it up correctly. You want, you want to think about ways that you're, you know, speed to lead and how that person then coming to your map and you know and that timing of that lead so and what programs they're hitting and the order they're hitting them so really thinking about like when that lead comes in um if you can set up a master order of ops where they're coming through and they're being enriched and then normalized and then they went through us lead scoring and the lead source and then your life cycle and you know that exact order and you know that speed to lead um you you just have that control and that feeling of just like I know exactly what's going to happen when this lead enters the system and then goes to Salesforce. Um, I know exactly the order. I know you know I know exactly what fields are going to update. That comfort from a marketing ops side of it, um, is, it's awesome and it can really help you troubleshoot because you know exactly what order is going to happen. So when you go to that activity log, you can see that the exact same thing. But if you're you're in a migration where you don't really have time to build a life cycle from scratch you're really just migrating it from your old one um you know thinking about like how you can you know utilize master order of ops and maybe you know and maybe a v2 and optimization is putting it into um you know a master order of ops and using the executable campaigns and you know working towards that but you know that's a huge one of you know if you have the time you can make I can I could speak all day on it. It can make it just a huge difference in your system. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and just for the uh, the sake of timing, I want to be a little bit mindful. But but there's two topics that I think are really important as a part of that build, which is your subscription center, GDPR compliance. Like just because you have a new system doesn't mean that you can go out of compliance. <laughs> um, so who wants to take that one? I can do GDPR. I I I think this is like the one where. It, it's so important that you have and it's on and it's working right away. Um, that way, of course, if you ever had a GDPR audit that you're ready to go, um, especially if you're even migrating it over um, or starting with a new GDPR program, it's one of those things I would definitely have on and ready to go before you um, start utilizing that uh, map. Uh, it, you know, it's so important that, you know, have you're, you're there. That GDPR program is to protect your company and you know you have a big role in that and so you want to make sure it's done correctly if you have the time really make sure it's done correctly make sure that segment's built up that they're really flowing through the correct um you know are they explicit single or are they implicit you know are they double or you know what that process is like and what that user experience is like um but you definitely want to make sure this is done before um, turning it on that because you want to protect the company you're working for and so they don't get fined because um those are some heavy fines if you do. <laughs> Very heavy fines. Um, out on our website, cs2marketing.com, we do have some really great resources uh, when it comes to setting up a GDPR uh, compliant process. 
Um, and we also have it on our roadmap for a explicit podcast episode. So stay tuned for more, but we do have some resources that you can access right away uh, from the website. Last thing, Ghani, if you could jump in, uh, lists and segmentations and, and key lists, like how should you approach that? Uh, it's going to be something where you got to be working very closely with your marketing team. Um, they've, depending on where you are, uh, in terms of like the size of the company, are you going into a map for the first time? Or if you're, uh, moving from one map to another, uh, you kind of want to make sure that marketing, uh, can still go out and communicate to the exact same, uh, context that they've already been used to communicating. Uh, again, there's certain things that you, that you want to make sure do come over, like who's been unsubscribed already, you know, um, who any like uh, company specific segmentations where uh, kind of like Brian mentioned, there's a top of the funnel uh, leads versus middle of the funnel, bottom of the funnel that you can still slice and dice as you did in the last in, in the last map tool. Uh, again, just to make sure that you can still hit the same audience at the uh, like you always did. Um, but you also have to make sure that uh, your marketing team is aware of how to how how to get there. Because um, again, they might not be living in Marketo as much as you. Uh, so of course, it's going to be easy for you to find it. Same thing with HubSpot too. You know, you can have a lot of like uh, dynamic lists or just static lists that you know what they are, but your team might not know what they are. Um, so just organizing it in a way where you can kind of just point to it and say like, hey, this is how you you identify key segmentations and key audience lists uh, that you can use for any of your other marketing campaigns would be immensely helpful uh, for the rest of the team. Fantastic. Yes. Very important step. Um, I think that, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. It's about making sure that everybody knows how to use use those and having it set up properly. Third phase of implementation, optimization. Um, you know, you've got everything built, you're, you're, you feel like you're ready to go, but there's still a little bit more to take care of. Um, Brian, would you just walk us through high level what this step is? We're not going to go into some of the details yet, but um, would love to just make sure that we're setting ourselves up for success with this launch. Definitely. You know, I, I think one thing is, you know, after you're you're turned on and you're you're moving along is really that optimization of like, you know, thinking about your data hygiene, you know, your reporting, your deprecating your old processes and integrations and leveraging like new functionality. Um, you know, all those things really matter. And you, you're going to really, once that stuff has synced over from Salesforce, it's in there, you're going to start realizing like, I, I need to dedupe and I need to have a dedupe strategy. I, I need to really look at my data hygiene and like lead sourcing. And there's a lot of, you know, all those processes that need optimization, especially if you're just migrating it over and you didn't have time to build this best in class program or that master order of ops. Um, you know, if you have the time here in that the third uh, phase, you know, really work on Im improving those processes or just that documentation around this as well. That way um, you can do great work. Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think it's never done. It's going to be a continual process. Just get it built into your roadmap right away. Um, typical things, if they can be done or if they need to be done, obviously, if you have processes that are built out that you're replacing, get those taken care of before you launch. But you can always, you know, do those iterative improvements post-launch. Just make sure that you have a plan to address it. Otherwise, it just turns into a ticket in the backlog that never gets looked at, right? <laughs> 
So fantastic. We've got implementation. We're ready to go. Uh, the the third pillar that we wanted to talk through was testing, enablement, and launch. So Ghani, let's talk about testing a little bit. What are ways that we can go about doing that effect, uh, uh, effectively? Uh, my first thing is to always just go through every single way someone can enter your database. Um, I'm sure there's a million different tactics that people use, whether it's through um, paid and paid ad integration, uh, maybe it's a third-party tool uh, where someone can register for a an event or webinar. You have form bills, you have list upload. Maybe they're coming in through Salesforce. You just want to make sure that how, however all those leads are coming in, that they are running through the process that you designed uh, and you set forward for your company. Um, so again, making sure that uh, is it do come in, that they are getting scored, uh, that their life cycle is getting updated, depending on how it's set up uh, for you guys. Um, and pretty much just, again, uh, noting when things are different from your testing environment. Because uh, there's there's so many edge cases that you probably just can't test through all of them. Uh, so making sure that you are uh, aware that, you know, what you designed isn't going to be 100% bulletproof, but there's a time to make it 100% bulletproof. Yeah, definitely. And testing is what's going to help get that get that in front of people, you know, before there's a disaster. Brian, what were you going to say? Yeah, I think that's great. And like, I what I caught myself doing when I did like testing scenarios and stuff is I'd often use like a, a mapping, like a like whimsical or uh, Miro board or something, the way to really draw it out that way. Because sometimes when you, you're in testing and you have like three pages of activity logs of you're trying to look through of each thing that it's almost so much to look at it's it's hard so sometimes i would take uh one of my test leads and actually map it out from beginning to end of exactly what happens and i was able to really figure out like okay this updated here like this process happened in this order you know these are the things that updated during that process and able to kind of look at it as a whole on a uh, you know on a charted document and say okay well you know this is where this went wrong or this shouldn't happen you know that was able to really find that super helpful and um really supply with the client like you know this is this is what's happening do we want to change this you know really have that conversation without having to open that activity log or that person and like oh maybe it's on page two let me scroll down <laughs> and have it all mapped out nice and clean and the exact order it happened i found that very helpful for me going into testing and it was also a nice documentation piece as well like i could also take that and say okay this is what's happening currently and this is what we're going to do to optimize it make it better yeah connie and i've started doing that with most most projects you, you have your you have your flow chart of how it's supposed to be designed and then you have your flow chart of how it's actually going and you're like oh well we, we intended on changing that or it's a actually an issue and you can definitely relate the two um very good one one just quick call out and we can go into it further on a future episode but that is testing salesforce um oftentimes we don't have a sandbox for a marketing automation platform connected to a sandbox of salesforce um but what we will do is we will log in as the marketo user whatever you're using for your sync and basically reproduce what like a new lead would look like from whatever automation platform that you have i know i said marketo but you can do this for any of them um, and that can help because that makes sure that if you have exceptions in your validation rules or exceptions in your processes, that it's still flowing through. Because most likely you're going to be making CRM changes based upon having the new marketing automation platform in some capacity. Brian, what about enablement? Oh, I love this piece. I feel like this is, I like enablement because it's like you just did all this hard work and it's finally like, 
you're ready to almost show it off and like train other people. Like look at like what I've done. Like it's like all that center of excellence templates, all that stuff's ready to go. It's like now you're ready to show people and use it and stuff. So I always liked this part of it. I don't know why. It just, it was exciting for me. It was like, I felt like it was a big accomplishment and like you're like ready to share it. And so like, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, walking through the day-to-day -day users, like if it's that marketing manager that's creating emails or, um, or if it's another admin or, or your own director or whoever that is, it's really walking them through that system and what they need to know. And is it documented in that process? That way, when it's time to launch and it's happening, they're ready to go side by side with you and able to execute what they need to execute. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And you can do enablement in so many different ways. Uh, we have also another great episode on enablement, documentation, and training um, that we did with Joy just uh, just a few weeks ago as well. So definitely an opportunity to deep dive into that. And all of the concepts that we used in that episode are going to be relevant here. Um, so we are at the quote-unquote last step, launch. Any gotchas, any recommendations for people as we approach launch from either of you? Oh, Brian, I can uh, take a stab at this uh, to start. Uh, but the testing's never over, you know? <laughs> uh, one, one of the things is, again, as soon as you launch, you just want to make sure that uh, you are testing things. Uh, and, and again, ensuring that uh, things flow. We also want to monitor just regular business processes. Like, uh, you know, if MGO is like super important in your business, was there a sudden dip or a sudden increase in MQLs? Uh, those extremes can kind of, uh, at least give you a good barometer of just like, is, was this a quiet transition? Um, are people going to notice it or is it super disruptive because now you've changed like so many settings, so many things. Um, and how do you make sure you have like a good contingency plan? Should you, uh, need to revert back to the original state just to make those streets before going fully live? Fantastic. Ryan, anything from you? Yeah, def I mean, just I like one thing too is like I found very helpful for me is having a monitoring log and change logged. I mean, at, there's so much you're doing that is huge to the marketing side of your business that, um, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts to this. So I found that if I had a monitoring log and a change log, I was able to go back and be like, well, you know, what did we do? Why did we make this decision? When did we turn it on? Like, what, you know, looking at those changes made it super helpful, um, especially, you know, having that monitoring log is too. You have um, a way to quickly find those smart lists you have built out, let's say in Marketo to see like issues. And that way you can really check things after that launch quickly, um, you know, and make sure that things aren't going crazy. That's great. Well, you guys, thank you so much. This is obviously a very large topic. I think that, you know, there's details that we would love to walk people through. Um, but I think that this was really helpful to just give everybody a framework to operate off of, right? We, we've got pre-work, you have implementation. Within that, you have your tech setup, you have your foundational work, you have all of the optimizations that you can take it further. And then you have to make sure that you're enabling it, documenting it, and getting it launched effectively. And then just remember that it's always going. Um, super important. So guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Is there anything else that you want to tell our audience before we uh, sign off for the episode? Um, honestly, it's just with any uh, map uh, migration, 
it's just the more you can document the better uh this is going to be something that it's a it's a big purchase uh so you just want to make sure that uh you know what's going on as well as all your other stakeholders uh because it's not just a marketing change it's a business change love that and brian you know, what about you well, that's exactly what i was going to say as well <laughs> Out of your mouth, I was like, because that documentation it matters so much for when you're going back and you're monitoring or optimize like optimizations later on. It that that was so helpful for me, but also too is just you know keeping aligned even after the launch, keeping aligned with that team that helped you got this like started and stuff, and being very thankful for them and you know keeping that great business relationship with them because they just helped you hit a huge milestone for your role and what you just, you know, took on an accomplishment. So, you know, also being thankful for the team members as well. That's fantastic. Thank you both so much for your time today. You've been listening to the Revenue Growth Architects podcast by CS2. We appreciate you listening and would greatly appreciate it if you would give us a review. Your feedback helps us make these episodes so much better. Thank you so much and have a great day.